I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. It's the Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I am Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson, fresh into the offseason. Logan, a couple of days without having to watch some game film, huh? Yeah, I'm uh, sort of watching some college guys, obviously, so haven't gotten too far away from it. But um, yeah, you know, it's nice not to have that rigorous like Monday we're watching a ton of film Tuesday we're prepping the next opponent kind of get out of that that schedule a little bit it's been nice so yeah for sure uh so here's what we got though because the news certainly is not stopping uh obviously Monday uh as expected uh, and we we already reacted to this uh, Ron Rivera was let go uh Josh Harris hires uh Bob Myers and Rick Spielman to be consultants they've been interviewing people the last couple of days and today, our focus is actually not going to be on the people they're interviewing right now. Um, and in fact, we might have, uh, by the time some of you guys listen to this podcast, there might be news. It might be by the end of the week, might be early next week on the front office side. But something that we've kind of talked about doing is looking at all the head coaching openings and saying, all right, which one is actually the best? Because once they get this new front office hire in, and of course, if they make a hire, we'll get someone on the show to talk about that person, someone who's either worked with them or covered them, et cetera. But uh, on the, uh, on the head coaching side, like, is this truly one of the best jobs? Is it the best job? Is it the fourth right. best job? And I was like, what if there was a way to, to do this more definitively? What if there was a way to do this, uh, quantitatively instead of just qualitatively, uh, you know, kind of everyone's like, oh, it's the best it's subjective. How do we, how do we do an objective rankings? And so what we've done is we have, and if you uh, watch, if you're a, a podcast listener who doesn't normally consume us on YouTube, uh, that's perfectly fine. But there will be a visual aid on YouTube uh, where you can see our charted scoring system here. We have the eight openings and we have six categories. 
we have ownership, we have the quarterback situation, we have the roster, we have cap space, we have draft capital, and then we have what we're calling atmosphere. So that could be fan support, it could be, um, you know, if, if when we talk about New England in that category, it's like, hey, you get to be the guy that follows Bill Belichick. And so that will count uh, probably in that case uh, negatively uh, in that category as part of the composite score uh, as we put organizational atmosphere into focus. So we're going to assign one through five to all of these, uh, one being bad, five being good, and then we will add it all up at the end and whoever has the most points, objectively speaking, without argument, nobody could possibly disagree, Logan, is the best job on the market. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this would be a lot of fun, so I think we should get to it. Let's do it. Um, the one thing I will say preamble-wise is I do think that, well, all jokes aside, if this is objective and no one could possibly argue with it, very clearly different candidates are going to uh, value different things. For instance, a guy like Mike Vrabel, his emotional pull to New England is going to be very, and his willingness to follow a guy like Belichick is going to be different than Ben Johnson's or whoever right. else. So it is worth pointing out that like this is as objective as you can be based off looking at all of these factors, but um, how people weigh these factors, what is important to them as a coaching candidate, all that's going to change depending on who the candidate is. No, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, obviously there's like the interpersonal relationships that you just described, which are huge. And it's also like, you know, kind of what the other thing I think people forget about. It's like how the interview goes. Like maybe you don't get along with, uh, you know, right. RX and, the you know, the chemistry is not there. And even though the job outwardly seems like it's going to be awesome, like it just doesn't click for you. So I think that's another thing to consider when looking at these, uh, you know, these rankings and these positions is it is. Um, this is from our perspective outside looking in, but again, there's the interpersonal relationships, there's the history of the organizations, all those different things. So. Yeah, we're gonna we might give an owner a four who uh, you sit down and interview with as a candidate, and you're like, that dude is a definitive two. So yeah, um, yeah. we're just going yeah. based off of results <clears throat> and kind of reputation. We're do, doing the best we can from our seats. So with that said, uh, the of course, if you need a reminder, the eight openings are Washington, Seattle, Tennessee, New England, Los Angeles, Atlanta, and Las Vegas. And Logan, let's start with what I think is actually the most important category. And that yeah. is ownership. And there are, again, different candidates. If you're in a win now position, you're an older coach, maybe you've been there, you're a Jim Harbaugh, and you know your own shelf life is only five years anyway. It's always going to be more short-term thinking. And maybe quarterback is more important to you. But I think for any young, and especially these top candidates, these young coaches who are looking at, is this a place where I can become the next Belichick, the next Tomlin, someone who's there, the next Pete Carroll, who's there for 12, 15, 20 years, Belichick, 24 years in New England, your relationship with the owner is so critical and they shape everything else in the organization, which is why I think people have Washington as one of the top jobs available. Yeah, I would go, I, I, I mean, I know we haven't really seen Josh Harris do much yet in the NFL. But I would give Washington ownership a five. If you look at what they've done in their other sports, you look at how they've been received, you look at the things that they have done in a limited time, I don't know how much you could ask, much more you could ask for. Yeah, I think for me, it's the the stuff that happened in the limited time, right? I think there was a lot of opportunity. I think they handled the the sale of the team very well. They came in the, the way they were very outward facing, the way they interact with the fans. You know, when you go and you see members of the ownership group at the stadium shaking hands with employees up in the press box like that's fantastic i also think the way they handled ron is going to be something that coaches look at and are like all right this is a completely different environment than it was before and what i mean by that is you know i think there's a lot of ownership uh, groups and uh, people that would have been like hey you know ron you're not winning football games we're gonna 
this is we're going to part ways earlier than what we said. We're going to fire you before the end of the season. They let Ron play out the end of the season. They trusted him to land the plane, like you've said many times. I like that. I also like that they gave him time in the building. You know, on his last day, it wasn't like, hey, we've already packed your stuff up. Please leave as quickly as possible. I thought that was fantastic, too. And I do think that that shows a an understanding of the personal element of this sport and this profession, which is very unique um, and can be very uh, harsh and austere at times. But I think they understand that you can, there's still room for that humanity. And I think if I'm a, if I'm a coach, if I'm a, um, you know, um, head of football operations candidate coming into this position, I say, that's something that I like that. That's something, if I'm going to move my family, I'm going to set up shop. I also think it's important that they're new. They're going to give you time to grow. They're going to give you an opportunity to kind of grow with them, which to me is very, very valuable. And I think that's why, you know, when you put a five in there, I think that's 100% on point. I think when you talk to people around the league, they also echo similar sentiments about this job. And you, you talk about what they did with the other with the other teams, talk about what they did in the interim with the, with the commander so far. Just even Josh Harris, Mr. Josh Harris's press conference, I think is fantastic. It just shows a clear understanding of what it takes to be in that ownership role. So obviously um, it's been a very short, relatively short period for him and this group, but I think he's checked a lot of boxes that as, as a coaching candidate or a um, head of pro football operations, I would be pretty excited about if, if I'm, yeah. if I'm coming into this position. And I think you can believe him. Like a lot of owners say the stuff that Josh Harris said the other day about long-term thinking and this and that right. and strategic, and it's about getting the right people and uh, the timeline will take care of itself and they're actually full of it. We've seen it happen in his other teams. And now, like, if you really want to get nerdy and go Philadelphia 76ers talk, you know, Brett Brown sat through the process, the, the tanking and stuff, and then they finally kind of turn it around, they get to the playoffs, and they lose a little bit sooner than they want to, and, and they decide to go in a different direction. But he had at least been there for, like, multiple, multiple, multiple years. Um, and then they decided that he was the person to get them from point A to point B and they needed someone else to get from point B to point C. Um, and I think Brett Brown would disagree with that, uh, but you know, the, he at least had been there for five years or whatever it had been, you know, doc rivers. I don't think, you know, obviously things were going downhill for them last year They they lost earlier than they wanted, but you know, he had had a couple of years and, you know, had, had a chance to make his imprint and, and he didn't do the things that he needed to do to keep that job. I think it was pretty clear that it was time to move on. And the NBA and the NFL are a little bit different too, in terms of the, the power that stars have, um, you know, what Joel Embiid thinks is the most important thing in the Sixers organization. There's no such thing like that in the NFL. And I think when you look at the NHL, what he's done with the Devils, I, I don't know nearly as much about that, but I'm pretty sure they haven't had a ton of turnover um, certainly not an unreasonable amount, and they've become one of the better teams in that league. So I think when he says something and he hires people, he will. You can trust him to give them the opportunity uh, to that that he promises you. And by the way, the evidence that we have in the NFL so far of that is Rivera. Hey man, you have the year. You have my word. You have the year, and he gave yeah. him the year, even though it would have right. been very easily and understandable to be like, hey, you've lost four, five, six straight. We're going to make a move here and give EB a chance to close this thing out. No, I totally agree. And I also think it's important. I just, I just look at how he's handled the, um, what is it? The, the, the selection committee. I don't, I don't know the exact terminology yeah. he's been using for that the search committee, whatever it yeah, is. The search committee. And I think like the, the composition of that group, the, the names he's brought in, understanding your blind spots. I just, again, you know, it's very early in the process. There's a lot still to do, but I think when I, I respect people who handle things in a, in a way that 
um, I think is appropriate, you know, and I, you know, like getting people who understand vision and perspective and starting an organization and starting franchises and bringing Spielman in for that football perspective, I think is excellent. So um, I think they've just, everything they've done so far, I think is indicates this is going to be a good ownership group. You know, you listen to John Kimes podcast. We've mentioned him a lot on this show. Um, you know, he's talking about how executives around the executives around the league, personnel around the league view. This is a very appetizing job. And to me, that makes 100% sense. Like everything, every box that needs to have been checked so far has been checked. And um, there's no reason to think otherwise about the position. So totally agree. All right. Uh, we'll obviously spend a little bit more time on each of these on Washington. And then we will say what needs to be said and score the appropriate points for the other ones. So Seattle is a bit of an interesting one uh, when you look at the ownership situation. Um, the Allen family has owned this for a while. Paul Allen brought it in the 1990s. Um, but Paul Allen, a former Microsoft executive, a very, very rich man in Seattle, uh, passed away in 2018 and created, hey, before that, it was it was uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So um, he made sure that all everything was in order the way he wanted. And that included in his will, creating a trust to take care of his sports teams, which not only includes the Seattle Seahawks, but the Portland Tra Trailblazers in the NBA. Uh, the trust was instructed to sell the teams, uh, but not with any specific timeline. So the Allen, like Paul Allen was a phenomenal owner. Um, he was in charge of hiring Pete Carroll and, and he's, they've had a lot of success during his run um, going back to the Mike Holmgren days, but his sister Jody is in charge now and it's not real clear when she's going to sell. There was some initial thinking that there was a deadline, financial related. I won't bore you with the details that it was going to be this May. Obviously, as we saw with the Washington situation, sales take time. Seems incredibly unlikely, especially considering she has not actually put the team up for sale yet. So long story short, Logan, um, they've been pretty fine as an ownership group since 2018. There haven't been any major shakeups or nothing unreasonable. They've had incredible organizational stability and head coach and, and GM or lead front office person and John Schneider. Um, but eventually there's a sale coming. We're not really sure when, and that makes it, I think kind of hard to uh, give too high of a score here for Seattle and ownership. Yeah, no, I think the, you know, prior to, um, What's his name? Uh, I'm forgetting his name at the moment. Paul but Allen. His, his yeah. passing in 2018. I think it was a pretty outstanding group. I think it's it does all the things you want ownership to do. They're they're patient. They kind of stay out of the the major decision making, or or if they are staying, or if, or if they are involved, they defer to football operations. Um, it seemed like a great place to work. A group that invested uh, in the in the team, in the facilities, and everybody. The that facilities I know that, are incredible that I know that's played there has nothing but positive things to say about, about that old ownership group. Obviously, anytime you add change, anytime you add flux to, to that position, like you're unsure of how it's going to go. And then you add the potential sale on top of that. I think it becomes a little bit less appealing. If you're a guy, you know, like just take Ben Johnson, for example, he's kind of the, you know, the number one coaching candidate around the league right now. But if you take him, it's like, I want something, I want some stability. I want some opportunity to kind of to establish my vision and establish my perspective with the team. And that goes the same thing if you're, you know, the director or the, the head of uh, pro football operations, same, same exact thing. So I do think that that adds a little bit of flux. And again, if, if, uh, if, if Mr. Allen had still been alive, I think you feel differently about this job, but unfortunately he's not. And I, so I would say this is because of the uncertainty, because of kind of, what exactly is going to be happening over the next three or four years, I would say this is probably a two, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. I I would be somewhat inclined to give it a three because it seems like Jeff Bezos is going to own the team. 
Um, he's, but again, like if you're if you're an, if you're a coach and you don't sure. have a, you don't have and and I was not hired by Jeff Bezos, I'm going to be a little bit uncertain about whether or not Jeff Bezos sure. and the standards going to be the same. So again, that uncertainty I think is so so important for coaches and people. Uh, you know, GMs. I directors. agree. It's it's really important. So if like, that's going to be floating just, around. Yeah. And I would say this, like in general, because of the price of teams now, you're not going to get a Dan Snyder type of owner that's cash poor, right? right. Like you're going to get an incredibly wealthy person buying the team who's going to have to spend a lot of money and thus be willing to put a ton of resources in. Jeff Bezos is that to a literal extreme. He is the rich or one of the richest people at this point. He might be back to being the richest people on the, uh, person on the planet because Elon Musk, uh, his his stock has fallen uh, right. with, with Twitter and and some of his other companies that have gone uh, sideways in terms of the their back-end financials. Point is, like, we also don't know, though, just because you're super rich, if that means you're actually a good owner. Like, will you stay out of it? We don't know. Um, so I, I tend to agree that when you know there's a sale coming, but you're not really sure when, um, that's less than ideal. Uh, all right, Tennessee. Their owner is a woman named Amy Adams Strunk. Uh, she is the daughter of Bud Adams, who was, I believe, one of like the founders of the Houston Oilers back in the day. Eventually moved them to Tennessee, etc. She's been in charge since the mid 2010s, uh, and I think largely has been fine. Um, I don't think there's anything spectacular here. I don't. I don't think there's anything terrible here. Um, They're. I agree. It, it's it's fine. I think I a think lot of the three. issues. I think a lot of issues they've had have been around some of the personnel moves they've made, and they just. And I think she's that. I to her credit, I think she's done a good job of identifying when things need to change. You know, they fired their GM last year. And I think yeah. that was a warranted firing. And I think uh, you know, obviously, Mike Vrabel leaves the position, but they wanted to keep him around. There was just kind of a lack of flexibility on his part in terms of working with her and and kind of filling out some of her requests. And again, maybe that goes back to kind of you know, maybe yeah, there, you know. I, I would say there's, there's some lack of cohesion between coach front office owner and right. Rand Carthon is incredibly well thought of. And it doesn't seem like Carthon and Vrabel were exactly on the same page. Right. And exactly. Carthon eventually is like, all right, well then we're going to go a different direction, but I don't right. know that that's a terrible move. I don't know. No, like, no, I, I don't think so either. Cause yeah. I think that's what you want. I think Vrabel's a great coach, but you have to have that cohesion and they are choosing Carthon over Vrabel. And I guess, and I guess what I'm saying is like, I feel like she's made some, made the appropriate decisions, you know, or, or the person or the group that, that is making those decisions for her to, has done a good job. So, um, yeah. I think, um, I think it's fine. Like you said, I, and I think she's made some tough decisions that I think were, were the right decisions at the time. So, you know, three or four, I think is probably appropriate for that. Yeah. All right. We'll go three. That's fine. Yeah. Perfectly neutral. Okay. New England, Robert Kraft, uh, got a lot of Super Bowl trophies, obviously Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. He can thank for them, but he's a guy that has been involved, uh, over the years and, and made sure that like kind of on the relationship side, I feel like things are running smoothly. Um, you know, he made a tough decision a couple of years ago to keep Belichick over Brady. Um, mm. in hindsight, that might've not been the correct decision. Um, and it also, you know, quote unquote, allowed it to get to a point that you had to make that decision. They'd been together 20 years. Yeah. It's hard to have any fault really there. I think it's hard to give him anything like certainly less than a three. I would probably go four here. Um, my, my other concern though with him is he's an older owner. Like, is there any yeah. desperation that sets in, you know, you hear about it with Jerry Jones where he's like, I got to win another Super Bowl before I die. And you're yeah. like, okay, well, what kind of desperation is that going to lead to? Um, but I would also say, 
you know, not to be morbid, but like Jonathan Kraft has been involved, his son for a long time, and it seems to be pretty well thought of. So there is like a clear succession plan, um, even if Kraft uh, just steps aside because he's getting up there in age. But um, I would probably go three or four here. Uh, but yeah. but what do you think? I also think just the fact that he's had so much success might make this less appetizing to me. You know, just because like, what are his ex? What are, are his expectations realistic for me yeah. moving forward in that? And you know, like. Again, I don't know him, and you know, like you said, he he does a good job building relationship with players. All those things, like that's his reputation. So, I, you know, I think a three or a four is probably warranted. But again, I'd probably lean three, just because the job to me, outwardly, if, if I'm taking the position, and again, these are things that would be ha- answered in the conversations we have in the meeting and the interview. Um, like, what are your expectations? What's the timetable? Like, because you know, you fell into kind of the perfect storm, right? You had maybe the best quarterback in the history of the NFL and a coach that understands defense at the highest levels and that kind of worked perfectly and covered up a lot of personnel decisions and issues that they had with the roster um and that's hard to find so like what's the expectation again that could easily be a four or five if the interview goes well but i think for me just as of right now looking at the position i'd probably say three and that's nothing against him personally and his reputation it's just i don't like the fact that he's coming off of this tremendous hot streak from a winning perspective I would assume his expectations are going to be very, very high. Yeah. I'm going to make a proposal. Well, one, we could just split the difference and do three and a half. Like there's no rule. We're, yeah. we're the ones who make the rules. Yeah. Four is um, fine. I don't care. I mean, okay. I'm just giving Say you my four, thoughts on it. And then uh, I think some of that stuff, when we talk about uh, atmosphere, like organizational atmosphere, I think yeah. the uh, the lack of points is going to come, come there uh, yeah. where it kind of crosses some of that same stuff. All right, Los Angeles. Uh, Spanos family owns the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, Dean is the the main guy. He's not very liked uh, in yeah. large part because of the uh, decision to move out of San Diego, which seems very stupid. Um, but they, I don't know. Like it's it's to me that's kind of a weird one. Um, there's so much vitriol about the move. Um, they have got a reputation for being a little bit cheap. Um, yeah. but they have made some pretty big time hires in recent years. Uh, so. I don't know. I, this one seems I mean, I like think, two range to me. I think yeah, two is probably it. Just because I've heard that they aren't that they aren't as um, at least the reputation, like kind of the scuttlebutt. And again, I don't know them. And again, this is something that just by reputation that they aren't super willing to invest the way some of these other ownership groups are willing to invest in order to kind of achieve that winner with regards to facilities and things like that. So, yeah. The other thing to, you got a little nepotism happening there, uh, there are both of Dean's sons, uh, John and AG are the team presidents. So John is the president of football operations. AG is the president of football or of business operations. And, um, you know, I'd like my president of football operations, generally speaking, to not be the son of the owner unless, you know, my owner is, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Adam Peters' dad. I don't don't even really like it either way, so, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. (laughs) Um, All right, Atlanta, uh, you played for Arthur Blank. I'll let you speak first here. My experience with Arthur Blank was fantastic, you know, and again, a little bit of it's probably because I went from here to Chicago (laughs) and then, you know, San Francisco, where where those owners are great, and um, then going to uh, Atlanta, and he was – awesome like he's around he's very friendly with the guys he seems to relate to the guys very well he seems to have be willing to develop a good relationship with the coaches um he also understands kind of the needs of the players so from a personal standpoint i think he's fantastic you know i'd say he's kind of in that you know four or five range but i do think there has been some concern you know about his um 
his haste in terms of, you know, his, he's an older guy. Um, and like, what, what are his expectations for creating a winner? And I think this job is very appetizing because I think the roster is not that far off, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but it just depends on how you feel about him being a little bit older, quite honestly, and whether or not you feel like he's going to be patient with you or he can afford to be patient. Because from a, from a, from a human side, from an ownership side, from an investment side, like he checks all of those boxes, at least in my time there. And, um, got a lot of respect for him so yeah i think i'm gonna go four here um i think arthur blank has done a lot of really good things but he he's not like he doesn't quite have that end patience to like let it pay off but he has been to a couple super bowls during his ownership um obviously it feels like the year before you were there when kyle was there they probably should have won that one right um yeah. you know and you know i we might look back and be like you know firing arthur smith now was the right move it wasn't actually a year too early um and if he had stayed it could have been a year too late so um, sure. I'm going to go, I'm going to go for there. Uh, and he's built tremendous facilities. Um, he, he's yeah. put a lot of resources in, so he deserves that. All right. Last two, uh, one of which is going to be very easy and very bad. Uh, that's Carolina. We'll get to them in a second. Las Vegas. I Mark Davis, I think as an owner in Oakland is seen very different than in Las Vegas. Like they have really built, I mean, I've seen their facilities out in Vegas. Yeah. They're insane. Right. Um, he has put a ton into this. Um, the atmosphere they've created out out in Las Vegas yep. is is big time. Um, they have been willing to spend. It, you know, it used to be like, oh my God, they're cash strapped, and they were, but not since they moved to Las Vegas. And that influx of cash in the organization has allowed them to make decisions like firing uh, Josh McDaniel and being like, we don't really care about the money. We're not going to spare expense. Now they might wind up in hiring Antonio Pierce anyway, right. um, and this actually isn't really that much of an opening. Um, but I, I would probably go three, like, I don't, it definitely not five. They don't have the history to be able to go five or, you know, the, the optimism to be able to go five fours in play, but probably a three where if they were still in Oakland, we're talking about one or two here. Yeah, no, I agree. I think since they've made that transition, they've been, it's been a different group, you know, and I think it's uh, been, been different from a decision-making standpoint. They've, they're obviously committed to winning. They bring in guys like Devontae Adams. They're willing to finance those moves and all those types of things. So yeah, I kind of up to you. I mean, maybe the history is not there for a four, but it's definitely very, very close for me, at least at the moment. So yeah, I think, I think we're going to introduce half points. I think they're a definitive three and a half, putting them okay. in the same spot as Tennessee feels not respectful enough, but putting right. them on the same loan, uh, level as like blank and craft feels a right. little too rich. So right. or three and a half. All right. David Tepper, negative 572. I was say, can you give a zero Carolina. or what? How does that work? I mean, because, I like, thought about it. Because I think he, again, like when you talk to people around the NFL, it's just, again, he's committed to winning. He's financially committed to winning, but like he's not very patient. And that is not something that's not very appetizing in a market that's not super big and Again, I, I, maybe a one for here. I, like this is a, t is it, a this is spot. where we have to decide if zeros are allowed. I think I think in this case, like I would give it a zero because right now, like zero. I think, I think when you there. look at the, like when you look at the job, when you look at the roster, which we'll talk about in a second, there are some very appealing things about it. But it's, um, I think he's going to scare a lot of people off. I agree. Okay, Carolina, David Tepper, you shall get nothing, and you shall like it. Please do not. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Take command. We are talking job openings, putting some numbers to it. Uh, that's Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. All right, we, we spent a good amount of time on ownership, Logan, because it's probably the most important factor. Now let's get to the players on the field. We have separated quarterback and roster. That kind of weighs quarterback heavier, but we're going to talk about each of them together. All right, Washington uh, is first. Quarterback. Um, oh, good news you- is they have resources to get one. The bad news is they don't really have one. Well, I was going to say this to me, it depends on how you want to look at it. I'd say this is a four. And I, the reason I'd say that is because with a second overall pick, you're probably selecting a quarterback. And in some ways, it's very appetizing to me as a head coaching candidate to be able to select my guy, right? To select the person that I want moving forward. And again, that person's not on the roster, but you are going to have the chance to get a very, very talented player at the position, which if you look at some of these other jobs, I think Tennessee is a perfect example, like you know, Tennessee or uh, like Atlanta. Las Vegas, maybe better examples like where they don't have anybody on the roster. They don't have an opportunity to get a quarterback. And I think that second overall pick, it just it can't be overvalued in this equation because of what it gives the incumbent, the incumbent, uh, the staff, I think. And so it depends how you want to weigh that. Is it do you weigh that in draft capital? Do you weigh that in whatever? But that's what I'm that's, toying with. But I think you've yeah. convinced me that that is correct. Like, it's a big deal. Like if I'm making the decision, it's like, wow, I get to draft a guy second overall quarterback, most likely that yeah. I can build around moving forward. That is my guy that I have for five years at a good contract while we build the roster out. It seems like a pretty good situation, even if it's not the first quarterback taken uh, off yeah. the board. I'm tempted to bump it down to three in part because you have that draft capital thing coming. And sure. it also means yeah. like, you but I'm just, saying, but I'm saying you, if, if I'm and even the dis- then like you're dealing with a rookie, right? Yeah. But if I'm making a decision though, as a, as a head coach, like yeah. Carolina, the situation's a little bit funny to me because I'm, yeah. I'm married to Bryce young here. I get to pick my guy. And I think that flexibility is important for the coach. Okay. Now, if you're, if you're rating the roster as it exists for quarterbacks, it's like a zero, you know, it's, it's right. like, it's like a two or a three, you know, it's yeah, not very I would, high. I would say, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sam Howell's a, a, whatever he is, is a floor. Like you do have a good backup quarterback situation right. in Sam, um, you know, so there's, there is that, but, but I'm um, saying, but like, I, know, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I what I'd that. say. Um, all right, then let's see roster. Uh, I, I think Washington's roster outside of, uh, the fact that there's a lot of opportunity is hard to, hard to put some, uh, yeah, <laughs> heavy, heavy points on. I mean, I kind of think we need to go all the way through this because you got the roster and I think there's only like 27 returning starters or so, returning players to the 53 man roster. Obviously, there's practice squad guys, but you got like Terry, Jahan, you got, um, you know, Duran and, and John. But outside of that, it's pretty flexible. And so I think that cap space number, which we'll talk about here in a second you know, is a little bit inflated. But again, that flexibility as a coach is something that I that I find enticing. Because instead of me having to kind of mold the players to fit my scheme, I can now go out and make decisions that make me feel very comfortable in terms of the roster. So again, it's as it currently exists, it's probably a, a three, a two and a half, something like that. But I do think that flexibility for as a, as a potential head coaching candidate is is appetizing. And I'm not just saying that because we cover the team. I'm just saying that's one of the reasons people come is because they can really put their stamp 
on an organization in a way, and they can do it immediately, which is pretty fantastic. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I'm, I think we can go, th- let's go three. Yeah. Um, because I do think that there are like, there's some pieces that like, and even like the expensive pieces you could move. Like if you really wanted to move off Terry, you could, if you want to move off John, that one's really yeah. easy. And um, Duran is really the only unmovable piece and he fits in anything. Yeah, and then like you know, you got Charles Leno and Logan Thomas still under contract. If you like him, you can keep him. You can obviously restructure, but obviously they don't have a lot of dead money on their deal. So there is yeah, you can just cut him if you want to. There's a, there's lot, a lot of flexibility, a lot of flexibility. And again, I'd probably give this a higher rating, but you know, for the purposes of this drill, just as the roster exists. Yeah, the the problem is though, like you do need someone to play eventually, and you know, but they I'm don't have a lot of those guys. That's where all that cap space becomes an advantage, sure. I think. You know, and you can make some kind of you know, free agent, edge rusher, free agent, cornerback, right. whatever but that I, is. I, right? I think with, you know, we, we got to save some of those points for, you know, no, those columns. Uh, no, but and, I'm just saying like, that's yeah. kind of hypothetically I, I like where I'm at. Yep. Yeah, no, totally. All right. Um, and also like, I think Seattle's a good one to like look at here in terms of like the roster. We got to, right. we got to leave some room above, above where Washington is because the roster in Seattle's loaded. Cause like, this is the other thing with Washington. How many young players do they have that you're actually excited about? Not that right. many. There's a couple. Um, Quan Martin, yeah, for sure, the way he finished the year. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's some guys, Brian Robinson, that that you like that are young and under contract and, and affordable contracts that you're definitely keeping. But you compare that to, like, Seattle, and it's no contest on the roster side of it. Quarterback's interesting because they have a solid one in Geno yeah. for another year if you want him. Uh, I do think they can move off of him pretty easily uh, as well. Drew Locke is a free agent. Um, yeah. But... They're, I mean, they don't I, really have a great way to uh, acquire a quarterback like Washington does. And I think that's that's good and bad. I think Geno's a very good starter, and I think you know he's at a good number for the team. It's a favorable contract. It allows you to keep guys like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and you just drafted Jackson Smith and Jigma. You got Charles Cross in the roster, kind of your left tackle of the future. You got Lucas Abraham, Abraham Lucas, excuse me, who's a, a piece for the future. And then you got that fantastic secondary. So I do think this roster, if you're looking for a roster that's like, ready to win approximately now you know you make a couple of good draft picks you're doing okay and so i do think even though the quarterback's going to be lower i think the roster is probably i, I think this roster like non-quarterback if we're taking quarterback out of it this roster is maybe even a five yeah i'm going to say four because i think there might be better rosters available but i do think that um it's definitely close. It's like four and yeah. a half, maybe. It's it's a yeah, good I don't know roster. If there's a better roster. Well, maybe Atlanta might be a better one that's on this say. list. But in the NFL, if we're going NFL wide, yeah, there there are better. So four is probably right. Yeah. So I think that's probably right. And I think uh, it's again, Gino is probably a three. But again, there's yeah, value with, with that, that three because I think he can win you football games. He's at a good contract number. Now, if the contract was bad, you know, like it's the Denver Broncos, for example, I think you'd probably right. give that a two. So. For sure. All right, Tennessee. Um, quarterback, yeah. interesting for them. What do you make of Will Levis? How do you rate him? A young guy that you're not 100% married to because you wound up taking him a lot later than a lot of people thought he was going to get taken. Showed some promise last year. I like. I, I personally loved what I saw from Will Levis this year. I think he's physical. He's competitive. He throws the ball like an absolute maniac, which is awesome. Again, I worry a little bit about kind of that year two sophomore slump. I worry about how he plays the game to a certain extent because he's always exposing himself to injury. And I'd probably feel better about him if they had more stuff on the offensive line, right? You know, you like you look at this roster and you're like, man, it's 
it's it's pretty messed up. You know, you got DeAndre Hopkins, I think, for another year. Traylon Burks, the former first-round pick, hasn't really played to that expectations. You made a big signing at left tackle with Andre Dillard. That didn't work out for you. And then you got Peter Skaronsky, who you dropped in the first round, but the offensive line is kind of, you know, I don't want to say a bunch of retreads, but first-round picks who haven't worked out, who haven't lived up to their expectations, and there's not a lot of weapons offensively for him to work with. So I think the quarterback you feel good about is a piece you can build around, but you got a lot of building to do, if that makes sense. And then yeah. defensively, it's kind of the same thing. Like you don't look at it and be like, wow, there's a piece here that we're really pumped on. It's like a bunch of guys who are kind of, they're good NFL players, but there's no great. And I think that's, again, a reflection of, of kind of some of the turmoil they saw at the GM position. So Yeah, no, I agree. Carthon, uh, you know, he he's it feels like he's done a lot more cleaning than he has building. Uh, right. been a lot of preparation to build. I think they're three at quarterback. They've also got the seventh pick in the draft, so they, they have the ability potentially in a quarterback rich draft right. to do something. Yep. Um, or you you kind of build around Levis. It's it's what Washington theoretically was in last year of like, hey, young quarterback, you can build around. And, I, and I think and I think he's more buildable than yeah, you know, than Sam was for yeah, sure. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, but and it's so, the same concept that we talked about a lot all year. And then the roster, otherwise, like it's not great. Two maybe. Two? I mean, you're losing Derrick yeah. Henry. You're losing kind of the engine for that. The offensive line needs some pieces. Now it's doable. It's doable in an off season to kind of add some meat to that sucker, but it's, and they've got a ton of cap space. Yeah. And Uh, so you look at the things they need, they need receiver, they need offensive line. This is a heavy receiver offensive line draft. So they can make some, some, they can make some waves there. And then like you mentioned the cap space, but I, they do need some work there for sure. For sure. All right. Uh, new England quarterback one. One? Yeah. Uh, but, but then again, if we gave Washington a four, I do feel like we have to, they they have the third overall pick in this draft. Um, and, the potential ability to go up and and make a move if they wanted to. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that's a so, good insight. So yeah. maybe are they a, I mean, in a, in so, a, in a look in a two quarterback draft? If you think that it's Williams and May and then everybody else, they're third. So yeah. I don't know that you can put them as high as Washington, but also there are some people that think that it's a three quarterback draft with Jaden Daniels. So maybe I'd they give, are in good good space. Do we give I'd them a three? Give them a, three, give them a four. I'd give them a three and a half, just because it's again. And the reason I would do that is because having that second overall pick again, you're in the two quarter, but you're in the two horse race with that. New England's not. They can trade into that position. They're going to have to give up some capital. They can also trade out of that spot if they want to. It just it's a valuable piece on the board for them. And in, in the right. same way that it is for Washington, it's just not quite as valuable. So, um, pretty blank slate. Otherwise, they don't absolutely. have. A, they don't even have a Sam Howell situation uh, as a backup. I mean, Bailey Zappi's not as good as as Howell. I don't think. Um, yeah. And Mac Jones is a first round failure on the roster, which is yeah, not good. Probably, probably uh, traded, at, yeah. As for the rest of the roster, like offensively, there's basically nothing. Defensively, outside of yeah. Ramondre Stevenson. Um, defensively though, they've got some guys or did they just have a Belichick system that got more out of some not very good players? Yeah, I think that's the, that's the million dollar question. Cause I think when you look at this defense, you're like, man, I think it, I think it ended up being a top 10 defense this year, if I'm not mistaken, or close to that. So very, very productive, good football, good football players, like guys that are just fun to watch. They're physical, they're tough, they're smart. And again, how much of that elevation is from, is from Bill Belichick, who knows, probably a lot, I would assume. And that's why I think a hire like Mike Vrabel is so appetizing to them because you keep yeah. that defensive continuity with a guy who's got a little bit, who can kind of build offensively a little bit better than other people. But I think you look, to me, the story is offensively, right? 
Both their offensive tackles are leaving in free agency. They don't have a number one receiver. Their running back's good, but they're starting two rookies on the offensive line, and that's it at guard spot. So it's kind of – there's not a lot there. There's there's basically no meat on the bone. Kendrick Bourne is leaving in free agency. Very, very tough. So I think defensively you've got a nice nucleus of players, guys that can make plays, guys that are physical, but you need a coordinator to come in and kind of sustain that. And then I think offensively there's just – there's so much work to do. Like, I don't want to say it's a one because I think the defense keeps them up, but it's, yeah, it's I think you, it's two. You need some heavy lifting there in terms of pieces to kind of get going there. So, yep. Uh, also, at this point, if you're watching on YouTube, I've realized uh, our formula is over here. Uh, I didn't, I didn't do a good job on on the totals, so we'll fix the totals uh, after we finish all this, and then we'll be live updating uh, after in in our final segment. Uh, Los Angeles, the Chargers, quarterback. Five. Five. You have Justin Herbert. He's under I mean, contract. Maybe four and a half. I don't know. If you're looking at his contract, maybe, but it's... But it's I, quarterback players. contracts are... They look right. horrible when you sign you, them, and they by, in three years, he'll be the seventh or ninth or twelfth highest paid quarterback in the league. That's yeah. a five. And I'm just uh, saying that just because I hear fans going, oh my gosh, you're paying a lot of money. Just, we, we acknowledge that. He's a good football Good quarterbacks player. cost money. You want to know what? Yeah. They're also worth it. Yeah. Um, the rest of the roster, not so much. It's old, it's injured, and it's expensive. And it's all not going to be there. Like, we have the list of big-time free agents that are already on their way out in Los Angeles. Uh, Austin yeah. Johnson, their defensive lineman, who's a starter. Austin Eckler, obviously. Gerald Everett, tight end. Like, they, some of their I offensive know, I, linemen. I, I would probably push back a little bit on the roster. And the only reason I say that is because, like, they do have some interesting pieces. It is getting older. They do have a hard time staying like some healthy. Of the, some of the guys are, are going to – like, you name three players, they're going to have to cut two of them. Yeah, That's the no, problem I, with I that agree. roster. And I don't, we don't know which ones yet, but they're, it, the roster isn't as good as it looks today. Also, I think we should bump down if, – if, if Justin Herbert's a five, I think we should bump down that quarterback to a three and a half probably. Just because I think uh, – for the commanders. Just because I think that um, – um, just because I think that, you know, like there's still an element of risk. You're not going to get the right guy. But for the, the roster for the Los Angeles Chargers, I do think that, um, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I think they've got a good nucleus of young offensive linemen that are playing pretty good. I think, you know, the back they have, the backup running back there is a fine player. Um, I think Quentin Johnson, their first round pick, didn't really elevate and step up the way you thought. They really, you know, Mike Williams is a heck of a football player, but he's always hurt. Keenan yeah. Allen's an awesome football player, but he's, what is he, 34 now? Yeah, 33? and the one of those guys, if not both of them, are going to be gone. Right, and so obviously a heavy wide receiver draft class, they can fix this, they can solve these problems. But um, I think it's like a three. I, I think the the young offensive line is huge, and then they have a couple of interest. I mean, they still have Jerwin James. Like I think the defense there is so bad, bro. I think you really got to yeah. look at that and be like, because you look at the pieces leaving, and again, Joy Bosa is coming back up IR. He's not been the same guy for a couple years now, but um, there's just a lot of holes there and guys underachieving, and that might have been because of the coaching, and that maybe it's a group that. It kind of turns a corner, you know, and, and you feel better about. But, um, yeah. you know, they, they got uh, Tui Tulopu, who's a good second-round pick who's playing well for him. But there's, again, kind of not a lot of young pieces. You're like, oh, this guy, we can build around him. Oh, we feel good about this guy. So um, maybe two and a half. I don't know. But because, yeah, again, two like, and a half sounds right yeah. to me. Yeah. All so. right. Uh, Atlanta, quarterback. They got the – They have the eighth pick. 
yeah. in the draft. Which, by the way, third year in a row they have the eighth pick. That's a wacky bit. Um, it's a super wacky bit. Obviously, there's going to be an excellent football player there in this draft. This is a pretty deep draft, but I don't know what they're going to do. Like, because I think it's you, like a two. Because if you look at the free agent market, you kind of say, well, who do they go out and get if they need to get somebody? Kirk Cousins, who's coming off an Achilles, like he's the guy this offseason. And outside right. of that, but it's Minnesota like Jacoby, wants to bring him back. And it's like Jacoby Brissett, maybe. And so yeah. that's kind of what you're dealing in free agency. So can they get a quarterback in this draft? Now, there are guys, there's Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., who are going to yeah, be later down the list. But, you know, how comfortable do you feel about that at eight? So I think the roster is exciting. When you look at the roster, I think you feel really good about it. it. Might be the best roster on this list. I would say if we gave Seattle a four, are they also a four? Are they a four would, and a half? Are they a five? I would think so. I think they're they have it's a younger it's a younger group, so I feel better about it. But it's probably the best defensively. They're missing some pieces. They lack elite playmakers, but they did a good job last offseason bringing guys in. I think they they are the closest, in my opinion, to winning a lot of games. They're like they're yeah. very close. Um, I the one the, the why I can't give them a five is my one concern is are they built to play one specific way? Which if you get the right coach, exactly could right. be a five. But exactly like right. they're it, you know if all of a sudden they get a pass happy coach and they're like yeah we're gonna throw the ball to Bijan and and uh, you know Drake London and Kyle Pitts and we're gonna play very differently. Do you have the pass protectors to hold up or is this line built to run outside zone? 30 times a game. Well, I think um, it's a perfect example. Like Caleb McGarry, their right tackle, was the wor- one of the worst graded offensive linemen in football three years ago. And then Arthur Smith comes in, and now he's like always in the 90s because he's such a good run blocker. But right. can you continue, like, again, like if you regress back or you revert back to a more pass-happy group, like ha- what happens to those guys? I think that's a great point. So For sure. All right. Uh, Vegas and Carolina. Quarterback for Las Vegas. This is, you know, again, like they're – their pick is not super high um, in terms of being able to get someone in this draft. Um, they're picking 13. Um, so, they, I mean, they probably could get a Penix or a Knicks uh, yeah. pretty easily there, but is that an overdraft? They're in kind of that weird in-between space. Um, Aiden O'Connell did, wasn't super inspiring. Uh, they won a game against the Chiefs in late December by not completing a pass after the, uh, after the right. first quarter. Um this is like a two quarterback situation. This is to me just as bad as Atlanta. Um, yeah, in terms of quarterback, I think you're probably right. I think you maybe feel a little bit better than Ritter, but it's marginally better. Um, I think yeah. the fact they're picking the 13 makes it tough for them. Also, again, Jaden Daniels might be there. The more you read about it, probably not. Um, right. Roster wise, I think they've got some good playmakers: Devonta Adams, Jacoby Myers, excellent football players. Hunter Renfro still on the roster. They are losing. Max Crosby three of- defensively is yeah. enormous. They're losing three of their starting five offensive linemen, so that's going to be pretty tough to overcome. Um, they're losing uh, Brandon Jacobs in free agency. They might try to resign him potentially. And I think defensively, um, when you watch the film, there's a lot of things to be excited about, like Divine Diablo, kind of that safety linebacker hybrid guy, did a great job yeah. for them. Max Crosby, like you mentioned. But, you know, not perfect. But I do think the roster outside of the O-line is in a pretty good spot. But we know after being here in Washington how important that can be. So... Yeah. Three is probably appropriate. Yeah. yeah. All right. Then Carolina. Um, quarterback. Depends on what you think of Bryce Young. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably say he's better than um O'Connell. You know, you probably because he's a first round pick, you got to make it work. There's the expectation that's gonna happen. But again, like if you don't love him, like that job's gonna be not very appetizing either, I think is the problem. Is I, I think it's like a three. And I, I, it's also hard because 
do you judge him based off what you thought of him, your evaluation coming out of Alabama, or do you how much do you factor in what happened last year considering how much of a mess everything was? But he still was a guy that most of the NFL thought was appropriate as the number one pick. And if he wasn't, he was your second quarterback behind Shroud, and you still like him a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you probably feel fine about that. I think then the roster is funny because defensively they're pretty talented. They've got a lot of young pieces. That you're like, oh, this guy's here. Like secondary J.C. Horn. Yeah. Um, defensive but line, they're also going to lose potentially Derek Brown and Brian Burns. Uh, Derek Brown's under contract? I'm oh, no? sorry, no. Brown's under contract. Burns is a yeah. free agent. My bad. Yeah, Burns is obviously tough, and I think they'll make a pretty good push to get him back. I think when you look at what, again, they're fast, they're physical up front. They're a fun defense to watch. They got Patrick uh, Patrick Chung? No. Um, gosh, what's his name? The uh, Yeah. But, I, yeah, very talented secondary. Uh, J.C. Horn is back, healthy, looking good. That, that's a good defensive group in a, in a way that's better than New England, for example. Then offensively, mm-hmm. they've made some investments on the offensive line, which you feel good about. They just don't really have any skill position players outside of the running back. So I think this roster is actually relatively appealing, um, honestly, I, especially in a receiver-heavy draft. I think you feel pretty good about it. But you don't have a first-round pick. So, you know, you're going to be kind of in a, in a tough spot. So, yeah. I don't know. Probably, it, feel, it feels more If you more got that much talent defensively, like, are they equivalent to Las Vegas? It feels more exciting than Washington to me, honestly. Like, when you look at the numbers and look at the players there, I think it's probably three and a half. But okay. um, uh, it's, it's again, like, it's how you weigh the quarterback spot and stuff. So. Yeah. All right. So that is that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Those are the rosters. Now let's take a look at the resources to help them. Uh, a couple of notes real quick, though, Logan, as we continue here, and we're talking during our little break there. Uh, one, we're going to make an edit. Uh, we've actually, upon further consideration, think the roster for Washington should come down to a two, yeah, yeah. Um, not a three. Uh, kind of too much optimism in terms of where they can fix it. The good news is we're about to score them a lot of points in that area. Um, And then uh, if you're following along on YouTube, uh, you can now see correct totals in the total column or actual accurate running score. Uh, Shout out to my friend Hannah for helping me with the proper Excel sheet formulas. (laughs) Okay, uh, cap space, Washington, five points. They have the most in the NFL. They have 78 million, and and by the way, these numbers courtesy of over the cap. Uh, This is their cap space number. There's also a kind of practical cap space number that they have uh, when you talk about draft picks and signing them and and some other, like they, they have like a set amount of roster moves that kind of create more realistic, but everyone talks about cap space using this number. So we're going to use the 78 number and yeah. really it's 78 plus because right. as we mentioned during the roster uh, discussion, if you want to cut Logan Thomas, if you want to cut uh, Charles Leno or restructure those guys or some others, you can create more cap space and get up to maybe close to a hundred million dollars if you want. Right. And I think honestly, we should just read through these. Cause I think it's just a financial thing, right? At this point, yeah, like it's just totally. like, Let's just bang these out because I think, yeah, I think the cap space is excellent. 
one of the reasons the roster is so poor is because there's so many free agents. So they're going to have to spend a lot of this money to get those guys re-signed and get pieces in here. But um, it, it is an yeah. exciting as, – as a, as a draw for a coach – Gosh, totally. like ha- having that draft pick, having the cap space, huge deal. So, a hundred percent, and we'll do draft capital in a moment. Uh, Seattle has just one point two million, so practically speaking, they have negative cap space. Uh, that is a one, uh, yeah. for, in my book, on that. Uh, Tennessee has like seventy one million dollars in cap space. It would have helped if I had. Uh, done my prep sheet in the same order <laughs> as uh, we did this column. Uh, so yeah, seventy-one million. That's that's either that's a four a, and a half or a five. I was going to say that's a five. That's a lot of money. You can do a lot of stuff there. So yeah, five. All right, New England also has seventy-one. So that's wow, a five. I did not them. realize they had so much money there. Jeez, they do. The Chargers have negative thirty-five million. That is a zero. zero. That is the that's David Tepper ownership of cap space. <laughs> uh, Atlanta has. 33 million. So I'm going to say that's like a three, two or three, yeah. two I'd or say. three. Yeah. Three. Let's go two and a half. Yeah. Cause you can get somebody in the off season. Yeah. Yeah. You can make one big one or a couple of little ones. Uh, Las Vegas has $49 million in cap. Look at you, space. Las Vegas. That's a three, three, three and a half, three, just playing three, three. three. Okay. Yeah. And then last but not least, the Carolina Panthers have 34 million in cap wow. space. That is a so dagger for them. Two and, and they've half. got to re-sign Brian Birds. <laughs> Jimmy, a that's a tough deal for them. That is Goodness not good. Gracious. All right. That brings us to draft capital. Yeah. Uh, Washington, they have three top 40 picks. They have five top 100 picks, including the 100th pick, and which is the, compens- or the, uh, the traded pick for Chase Young. They actually have... Six top 103 picks because they're at the top of the fourth round as well. That's about as good as you can ask for. I mean, it's um, not... I actually again, think this is a... Uh, they have number two overall pick, three top 40, six top 103. Yeah, so I think it's it's not like the Philadelphia Eagles last two years where they had like two first round picks. And That's like, true. You know, it's not that good, but it's pretty gosh darn good you know four so, four and a half yeah that's the range we're talking about so i think yeah pick one. whatever you whatever you're feeling uh i'd say four and a half yeah four and a half yeah the number two pick in a super quarterback rich draft uh i think that's yeah. that's pretty darn good all right the seattle seahawks uh they are somewhere on this sheet uh <laughs> they have pick 16 but they have no second rounder they have two thirds pick 78 and 81 uh, and then they have everything four through seven. So that no second rounder neutral. hurts. Pretty neutral yeah. to me though. You know, um, like they're not, it's not great. It's not bad. It's not like the LA was a couple years ago. I think that's, that's pretty stock. Maybe yeah, two so and a half if you're, if you're pissed about the second round pick, but yeah, I'd say that's, that's a three. All right. Tennessee has the seventh overall pick. They have pick 38. They have no third rounder, uh, have everything at four through seven and an extra seventh rounder. Um, I'd say that's again no second rounder is kind of a big deal. Maybe two, three and a half. Uh, they, you know they do have they do have a second rounder. Oh no, third. third. So maybe four. Maybe I don't know. It doesn't feel. I think right. I think three and a half. Three and a half. Three yeah. and a half. Uh, you got the seventh pick and the thirty eighth pick. That's pretty good. Uh, all right, New England. They obviously have pick number three uh, in this draft. They also they're they're basically straight through. They've got three thirty four sixty eight. 103, 135, 181, one pick per round, seven draft picks. Yeah, I mean, including that's the third. pretty standard. I think that's good. Obviously, having I think, high I third. think that's because the other thing, too, is the way the second or the rounds down work, those tiebreakers rotate. 
So they actually have the second pick of the second round. Which is excellent for them. So four? 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 Yeah, I think that's, that's probably right. All right, the Los Angeles Chargers. They have the fifth overall pick, 37. Wow. They've got they've got their pick straight through, including a bonus seventh rounder. I think that's also pretty pick. good. I think that's yeah, pretty I think good. that's a four. Yeah. Uh, as well, all right, Atlanta. They, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, have the eighth overall pick for the third straight year. Uh, they have an extra third rounder and no seventh rounder. Honestly, that, for their personnel department, that's a win. You get to yeah. be done after the sixth round. Let's go have our press conference. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'd say that's that feels like Tennessee a little bit, right? It kind of the same yeah, I areas, right? Three and a half. Got that extra third rounder, which is really nice. All right, Las Vegas. Uh, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, they have the thirteenth pick. Uh, they've got three sevenths. Everything else is one pick per round, kind of in the middle of each round. What was the what was the thirteenth overall? Yeah. Three-ish, three 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 three-and-a-half, maybe. Three, yeah, I'd say three. Because, again, 16 is tough to kind of navigate there. 13. Uh, Yeah, 13, sorry. But you don't have that that extra second, that extra third that has bumped some of these teams up. And then Carolina, no first-rounder, but they're at the top of basically every other round. They also have no seventh-rounder, whatever that's worth. That hurts them a lot, I think, not having that first-rounder. Like, when you're looking for, like, another game-changing piece offensively, it could have been the first-round pick again this year. Imagine if they would have had the first-round pick this year. They could have traded out of that spot. They could have had that and DJ Moore. Yeah, would have been pretty wild. So, a lot better. Uh, I think, two, like, two and a half. At the end of the day, yeah. they still do have the 33rd pick. Yeah, I mean, which um, is, again, but for a team that is in their situation, that's maybe a two? That, that hurts them a lot. I'd say two. Like, how much? I guess I just don't want to over penalize them because they traded away. Like the the penalty guess, is the trade yeah. away. But like, yeah. what do they actually still have? Right? Yeah. Uh, two, two, two and a half, two and a half. Okay. You're right. Let's not go crazy, Paulson. Two and a half. All right. Yeah, you're notoriously the harsh one. All right. <laughs> Last but not least, this is kind of an objective category here. Um, but I'm going to call this one organizational atmosphere. So what other factors go into considering for this job? So for Washington, for instance, you have this fan base that showed it is incredibly excited if you can show any modicum of conf- competence. Yeah. They're really optimistic. They're really hopeful. Um, you have a new owner who's, who's, I mean, obviously we talked about the ownership already, but to me, like the atmosphere stuff around Washington is high on that front, but also... The facilities are not very good. You have to play at FedEx Field. Not very yeah. good. So it can't. I don't think it's a five. But at the same time, you know, you're probably going to get to help shape the new practice facility. So maybe that yeah. is exciting. Maybe more on the front office than the head coaching side. I don't know. For like, so it, it can kind of again be objective. Whatever it is, you're also replacing a guy that wasn't super well liked amongst the fan base as a football coach. Um, so wow. the, it's not. It's not like what we're going to talk about with New England, where you have to replace a legend. Or Tennessee, where you're replacing a guy that was beloved in Vrabel. So I, I tend to think this is like three and a half, maybe. I, I'd actually probably put four for Washington for this category. The only reason I would say four is because I do think the ex, the expectations are low and the reward is very, very high. It kind of reminds yeah. me of like Dan Campbell in Detroit a little bit. Like that's yeah. kind of what you're dealing with. It's like if you win some games, like you're going to be a god. And I think there's an opportunity to do that here. And the fan base, like, is spectacular when this team is winning. Like I think back to 2012 and like that's what that's what you're dealing with here in a big market in a big city. It's pretty good. And you mentioned the facilities are the only thing kind of keeping it from being a 5 and I don't think that's like a huge negative necessarily, but 
I think I think the it's the other stuff, the fans, the culture, the community. Um, if that thing gets going, you're feeling pretty good. So yeah, I mean, it is a tough media environment. Uh, hi, uh, <laughs> you know, um, as opposed to Seattle, um, which is like they've got great you know sports talk radio and everything up there in Seattle. It's not like it's a small city. Seattle's like I think the tenth biggest city in the country, um, but the atmosphere is a little bit different. Uh, West Coast, more laid back. Your facilities are immaculate. You are having to follow Pete Carroll. Um, but Carol will be around and in the building and yeah. uh, theoretically, and hopefully we'll give you a sign off. And this is one where it matters who you are too, right? If Dan Quinn takes this job, following Pete Carroll is not nearly as big of a deal. Like you right. were a part of the magic. Right. If you are some random young offensive guy uh, coming, for, you know, if you're Ben Johnson coming in this job, it, you know, who's the, who's the new guy? Who's the out of towner? That's a, yeah, that's a great point. And I think the combination of the facilities, the, the recency of winning, I feel like this is a really good atmosphere to be yeah, in. Like I would say four, four and a half, four and a half. I would say just, I'd give it a slight edge because you also have is, like one of the best stadiums crowds right. in the league and the facilities and everything's there. You know, I, I think that's a pretty good atmosphere. So, all right. Uh, Tennessee, um, the fans, like Titans fans care. No one cares yeah. about the Titans outside of Tennessee. Right. Um, I don't know how their facilities are. Probably pretty middle of the road. You do have to follow Vrabel. I don't know how easy of a job that is. He was kind of the perfect guy for that job in a lot of Seems ways. like a three to me. Yeah. This, I mean, everything about Tennessee feels incredibly middle of the road. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Titans. Um, all right. New England. So This is a weird one. It is a weird one. Like, you know, my family's from Boston and like you will not get a more supportive city of your organization and your team, right? Yes. They're also insanely critical of your team, right? And especially following someone like Bill Belichick, I think the atmosphere is going to be off the charts. I think if you want to like create an environment where you're just like the dude, like they're going to love you up there if you win some football games, but they're also going to let you know if you're not doing well, much like here, right? Mm-hmm. Um I, I think I think I would say it's it's that might be a better. I, would you agree, Craig? That that's a better atmosphere than Washington when it's going well. I mean, it's close. It's like it gets crazy. When it, oh, Boston. when it's going well, but I think the because of the recency of success, the patience level is lower. Yeah. I think one of the best things Belichick did for the new person is be absolutely terrible the last three years. <laughs> like you're not replacing Belichick after he and Brady win that last Super Bowl. You're replacing the the recent Belichick who hasn't drafted a po- pro bowler in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, like, not a pro bowler. You haven't drafted uh, a guy who got to a second contract in 10 years. Right. And I think, again, I, you're following Belichick, so I don't think it's as good as here in Washington, but I think it's like that city will love you. Yeah. Maybe again, three and a half. Uh, yeah, I'll give you three and a half. Um, I would say the one guy who kind of gets an exception there, a la Quinn in Seattle, is obviously Vrabel. Oh, All right, yeah. Los Angeles. The five you get to Vrabel. play it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Los Angeles. You get a you get a automatic, uh, you know, floor safety piece of you get to play at SoFi, which right. is nice as hell. But then again, is a place that a lot of other fans go. So actually, on game day, I don't know how great of an advantage that is for LA. Um, you're a, in a two-team town that barely supports the first team and you're the second team yeah like this feels this like is, a two and a half to me and again i'm from la i love la like but yeah. there are there is you so do get to live in los angeles which is nice yeah which is great and again that's awesome so maybe it's a three but in terms of supporting the team it's not new england it's not washington it's not seattle it's not even tennessee like there's so much other stuff if you're not winning games there you'll have a thousand people at your game like when i when we played uh la 
uh, the Chargers when I was in Houston in 2019, after they had just moved, there was, it was a 20,000 seat stadium. There was 5,000 people in the stands. Like they, it's just not, it's yeah. not a football town the way some of those other towns are. So no, I, I absolutely capping them at 2.5. I would probably give it a two to be honest. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, well, sunshine it, point. It, it's an LA. Two and a half. It's, it's a half. It's a half a point. Right. All right. Uh, and by the way, it is a place that because you're in LA, it's a place that pro athletes like to live. So from a recruiting yeah. standpoint, you know, if you ever get cap space, as I stare at the zero in that column for them, um, you maybe <laughs> can recruit some folks. Uh, Atlanta is another place that NFL players like to live. Um, you, you mean you again? You played here. Uh, that town will get behind their Falcons. They love it down there. It's yeah. not as high pressure as some of the other media markets. Um, college football can overrun you a little bit. Um, you get to play in to one of the nicest stadiums in the country. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, the, the facility, the practice facility is great. Yep. This seems like a three and a half. It's a nice to me spot. For... I think the only thing is like, there's other, again, like we weren't winning when I was there. So the stadium was always like a little bit, you know, but you passed. also were, yeah, been in the Super Bowl the year before it was two years before, right? two years before. So, yeah. So it's yeah. like, it kind of dried out a little bit. The, the fan support wasn't as great. They just moved stadiums. I think this is awesome. So I, I loved I loved my time in Atlanta. It was awesome. Uh, it just depends on like how that city's going to get behind you. And I think they'd probably be pretty excited. So maybe three and yeah, not as good as New England, I don't think. So maybe a three. Maybe it's like a Tennessee, okay. a little bit. You know, yeah, like we're, we're that feels right. Hairs, but that feels right. We we get our first three point two five in the third to last. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go three. Las Vegas um, facilities outrageous. Fan yeah. support pretty good um because you're the biggest thing in that town um that said it, there's it tends to be a lot of like opposing fans yeah, there yeah. um you get to live in las vegas for better or for worse right um i don't know what to make of the atmosphere in las vegas a sentence that has been uttered many times by many <laughs> yeah i mean i think like with atlanta there's like it's a there is a football feel to that stadium which is great in las vegas it's like a party you know, and yeah. so it's like, how much support are you getting there? It's a great market for like selling out stadiums and making money, but it's not Tennessee and that you've got like this diehard fan base that's coming to the game every week. It's not like New England or Washington where the whole area is supporting you. It's like, it's a little bit more multicultural. It feels a little bit like kind of LA potentially, but you are yeah. the only thing in town. So there's that. Yeah. Um, are you the biggest thing in town? They do love their yes. Las Vegas Aces, as I can confirm. Yeah. Uh, biggest thing in town. Three? Two and a, two and a half? Three? I think th three. I think three. I think three. It's they different than Atlanta. But facilities really help, yeah. um, for sure. And the fact that, you know, there's, I think, a lot of upper mobility in terms... Like, it's it, because Vegas is an event town, um, and, I, you know, there, to an extent, like, D.C. is a little bit this way. Obviously, yeah. there's a deeper connection with the football team. But the Capitals and the Wizards experience this, I think, in a major way. Um, yeah. But it, Vegas is an event town. If they're good, that place is going to be awesome. If right. they're not, like people aren't going to be super mad about it. Right. Um, all right. Last but not least, Carolina. Um, you know better than me. Look, people love the Panthers in the Carolinas. Um, that and you get kind of that big area of there are a lot of people in South Carolina. There are a lot of people in North Carolina who really do love it. But there, that's an angry fan base because. Mm -hmm. The end of Rivera's tenure wasn't good. It's been a total disaster since Tepper took over in basically every conceivable way. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I feel like the South can be 
<laughs> we can unpack the statement historically uh, on a different podcast, but like the South can be very protective of itself. Mm -hmm. um, and Tepper is this non-native guy who came down like carpetbagger, if you will, who has come in and ruined their thing. And I think that that matters. Um, I, the stadium, Bank of America Stadium's fine. Tepper's building a really expensive new practice facility, so that's nice. Um, at least he was supposed to be, and then I think it, part of it fell through, so I think they found another spot. Now they're behind. All in all, like it's just not good. Um, mm -hmm. It just feels very toxic down there. And now can they turn it around and win? And, and winning fixes things? Yes. You know Tepper's invested, but I can't give this any more than a two if I if we even want to go that high. No, I, that's kind of what it feels like, and you would know you know that atmosphere better than me, that environment better than me. Um, but yeah. those that don't know, by the way, I grew up down there and grew up going to games at that stadium uh, way yeah. back when. So I'd say Jake Delhomme days. What's up? It does feel worse than LA, even though LA is not great. Like they don't. You know, you can't. Draw There's a toxicity to Carolina right now that's different than Los Angeles. I agree. I agree. So that's two. It. Yep, two. All right. So now, as long as the formula worked, which I'm pretty sure it did, we have our rankings. Uh, the number one job. Actually. Uh, yeah, for sure. It almost makes you want to go back and reconsider some stuff, but like, it also is a bit of a reality check. The number one job by actually a decent little margin, considering the the rubric here, out of a possible total thirty points, the Washington Commanders at twenty four. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. second best job is the New England Patriots at twenty one and a half. Yeah. Uh, cap space winds up being a, a big factor here. Uh, the third best job tie. Atlanta and Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, it, I would I would have thought it, Tennessee would have been way lower, but I, I think that feels I, right. And I like it's agree. funny when you think about it. The cap space, the draft capital, the raw. I think the roster in Atlanta is a big bump for them because of where they're at. But yeah, this to me, this is how I view these. Not necessarily how I view the job, but I think understanding New England's cap space, understanding the depth of roster in Atlanta was a big deal. And Tennessee, I think the cap space and draft capital there was something that I undervalued. So. If I'm a coach and I'm going into those positions, I'm like, this looks a little bit more appealing than, you know, when we started this conversation, I guess. For sure. Um, tied in whatever's next uh, is Las Vegas at 17 and a half and Seattle at 17 and a half. Yeah. Th that Seattle's the one that's surprising to me. But me it also, I think people just kind of kind of put the ownership on the back burner and yeah. forget about how tumultuous that could be. Yeah. And that is a good reminder to like, and, and again, it's something where if Jody Allen is like, look, I know I eventually have to sell this thing, but it's mine for at least the next decade. And right. that becomes a four, then that changes the equation dramatically. Cause we, cause um, we think she's done a good job. Like, you know, I think she's done a good job that whole, like her yeah. brother did a good job. So I think to me, again, the reason we gave it a two is because of the uncertainty of, of kind of the trust and what's going on with that group. Yeah. But again, if she's around for 10 years, 15 years, and she says that to the next candidate, that looks drastically different. And I would say the one category that I thought about including that we didn't was front office. And I didn't include it because it's too in flux for too many of these jobs. Right. But yeah. if you were to factor that in and you get to go work with John Schneider, Seattle yeah. shoots up. Right. So I will admit yeah. that is a possible flaw in our rankings um, as opposed to a place like Washington where like, how do you rank someone who's not been hired yet? Correct. Um, and obviously a lot of these jobs are in similar situations or like, what do you think of Terry Fontenot? That could be in Atlanta, the GM. Like, is that a positive or a negative? It could depend on the candidate. How do they work together, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, so Seattle tied with Vegas. Uh, the next team, uh, second from bottom, is Los Angeles. Not really surprising uh, for me, but I think probably surprising to a lot of people who just look at Herbert and have blinders on everything else. Right. No, I think that's exactly right. I think, uh, I think the, again, the cap space there is huge for them. It's huge. Like, cause like that team is what it is now. The only right. way you're building is through the draft. And it, and it feels like you have a, it's like you have a, a Ferrari that's like in a dumpster or something. You know what I'm saying? It's like you have this <laughs> great quarterback that can elevate a roster, but there's, like you said, they're going to have to probably move on some, from some of those big pieces, those big playmakers. And it, looking at the cap space situation, looking at the composition of the roster, you're kind of like, wow, this is way different than I thought when I, when we, well, again, like this has been really illuminating to me because it's like, you literally yeah. go through category by category and it's like, wow, I thought, I thought that LA job would be way higher, but at the end of it, it's, it's, you see it kind of for what it is, which I think is, is kind of cool. So, and last but not least, this one was not illuminating the Carolina Panthers no, are the worst yeah. job on the market. So Logan, when uh, people say, or when we've been saying, Hey, Washington is the best job on the market. Now we have data to back it up. No. And I think, I think the other thing here too, is like, let's say for example, you wanted to change the quarterback to a two for Washington, just as an example, like that's still the best job, right? Yeah. Because of the other factors surrounding the organization. And um, it looks like we weighed draft capital there a little bit heavy, but I think draft capital is a valuable piece for a coach making a decision. So I think that's, totally. um, that's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad we did that. Actually, I feel like I feel I look at this whole thing a little bit differently, which is kind of fun. So, yeah, no, for sure. All right, uh, next time on the podcast, I, it sounds like uh, even as we were recording this, uh, it seems like Washington is down to some final candidates. Adam Peters, Ian Cunningham, uh, seem to, from what I was trying to read in between uh, us talking they're there, the, they're amongst others. It sounds like from what uh, what's his name said. Uh, what's his uh, name? Rappaport. Thank you. Yes. NFL Network. Yeah, but they are they are moving towards final interviews quickly. So uh, very possible next week when we do our podcast uh, that we will be talking about a new lead executive for the Washington Commanders. So make sure you tune in. Then uh, we are this week was like a weird transitional week. But next week, uh, we are planning on being on our new offseason schedule pods twice weekly, uh, probably record them on Monday and Wednesday, which means uh, we can either put them out Monday and Wednesday evening or Tuesday and Thursday morning. Uh, TBD on that, but make sure you subscribe. And then, uh, you know, when it shows up, it shows up. Uh, but we'll, uh, wh whatever it is, it will be consistent so you can make sure that you get in a nice routine on your commutes or whatever it is that you listen to our show. Uh, thanks so much for listening or for watching on YouTube. And we'll see you next time. For Logan, I'm Craig. See ya. See ya.